So we continue our, our message series, Kingdom Life, as we, as we go through the book or the gospel of Matthew. This morning we pick up in Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. I'm not going to have any scriptures on the screen, so if you want to turn there and follow along or are in your electronic version, I encourage you to do so. There are pew Bibles in the, the pew racks in front of you if you don't have one. Again, the verses are Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. Let me go ahead and read that. Jesus speaking says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now normally when I, when I get up here, what I like to do is take our, our passage and I like to really break it down. And I'm not going to do that today because I think this is unbelievably clear just the way it is. There's not any Hebraic idioms in here. There's, there's no word play that I have found. I think the passage is exactly what Jesus means for it to say. I don't think we have to, to try and break it apart. So I'm going to do something different and I'm going to actually talk about the subject behind the passage. I don't know about you guys, but in my life in the church, I can probably count on both hands the number of messages I've actually heard from a pulpit about fasting. And I know that's not one of those subjects that were like, hey, let's talk about fasting, right? I get that. But I believe that there is a lot that we can learn about the discipline, the spiritual discipline of fasting that is beneficial to us. So before we move ahead, let's define fasting for the sake of our message. Most commonly referred to or are referring to food, but it doesn't have to be. I'm going to define fasting, I think it's the simplest definition, as a voluntary or willingly abstinence from something, again, generally food, but from something for a period of time, and for a specific reason. Sound fair? Not, not way off the deep end, right? So I want, to, I want to build a case for us today, if you'll allow me, that fasting, while it is beneficial in and of itself, it, it can be a standalone discipline. And in fact, there are plenty of people in our world who, who have fasted for reasons non-spiritual in nature. So fasting can be done by itself. But I want to build the case for us that the spiritual discipline of fasting is actually one of the greatest force multipliers in our arsenal. Fasting when combined with other spiritual disciplines is unbelievably powerful. How many in here have fasted? Okay, not, not a lot, but some. Was that a fun event? Did we enjoy that? Most of us not really, right? Uh, and those who have done longer fasts know that, that as you progress through the days of, of not eating, at some point it actually gets easier on the body. The body becomes aware that it's not going to be fed and, and begins to burn fat and, and other nutrients from within. And so the, the pain will tend to go away until you get further down the road. And then like... It's different for everyone, but day 30, 35, 
many people have actually experienced it to be much worse than days one through five. As the body goes, wait a second, we're really not ever getting fed again. Um, so I'll just say up front, I am not encouraging any of us to do a 30 or a 40 day fast. I don't think really any of us are in a position to do that. It's, it's typically uh, not healthy to go that long. There are a few examples in the text of, of those in, in spiritual nature who have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and we'll refer to a few of them in the message today. But that's not what I'm encouraging us to do. So before we actually get into most of the message, you're off the hook. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to be ready to do a 30 or 40 day fast. So as a spiritual force multiplier, true biblical fasting, when employed in conjunction with other disciplines such as prayer, right? That was the giveaway, prayer. We think about that. That's, that's common. That's not something foreign to us. But those of you who fasted, have you ever combined fasting with worship? That's not as common. When I think of depriving my body of food... I don't usually think of singing and praising and worshiping, right? That, that's not the reaction that normally is at the forefront of my mind. And I would submit to you that fasting combined with prayer and worship is incredibly powerful. What about fasting combined with study? Have you ever been studying in your Bible looking for something, looking for, for God to reveal some level of clarity on, on some subject or whatever, and, and it's, it's just not happening, right? We, we experience that with prayer, right? But, but in study, have you ever considered fasting during that time of studying to see if maybe God will bring clarity through the force multiplication of combining the disciplines? So the case I want to build today is not about fasting alone, but fasting as a force multiplier with all of these other disciplines, combining prayer and worship and study with the discipline of fasting. And I believe that if we will embrace that as believers, God will do powerful things in our life, in our ministry, and in our outreach into our community around us. So let me say right up front, and I don't, think, I don't think I need to clarify it, but let me just say it so there's no ambiguity. Fasting is not some magic formula, right? I think we know, hey, if we fast and pray, God is not just automatically going to give us what we're looking for. We get that. It's not a way of, of us twisting God's arm to do what we want, but truly if we understand plan of fasting, Fasting is one of the tools that God gives us to bring us into alignment with Him, not Him into alignment with us. Like prayer, it is a tool that, that centers us in our relationship. Scripture teaches us that, that God resists the proud, but, but He gives grace to the humble. There's very few things on earth that are more humbling than starving your body. Let that sink in. There are very few things, I'm not saying there's nothing, but there are very few things on earth that are more humbling to our, our human nature than depriving us of food. Don't believe me, go without food for a couple days. In, in a culture that food is readily available, 
at any time, we, we go to our refrigerator or our cabinet and we can pull out a meal. Even for specialized diets, there's microwavable dishes, right? We don't have to so hard work for everything that we consume anymore. So what does the Bible say about prayer and fasting, fasting particularly? Well, numerous references can be found throughout the the apostolic New Testament and the Hebraic Old Testament scriptures. And I thought it was interesting, in preparation for this message, I counted 77 different references. Now, those of you who know me know that I have this odd fascination with the organization and the structure of Scripture, and so 77 really struck me as a flag. And I'm not going to to torture you by dragging you through all 77 passages and tearing them apart. I'm going to say that, to me, that's a flag, a marker, that this message is something that God wants us to look at. There's something behind the discipline of fasting. In the Old Testament, the law specifically required the children of Israel to fast and pray on one occasion each year. Anybody know what that is? Day of Atonement. In fact, it became so synonymous with fasting that in Jeremiah 36, the Day of Atonement is referred to as the Day of Fasting. And in Acts... Uh, chapter 27, it is referred to as the fast. So we have these, these references. But like I said, there's numerous other references about fasting. Let me just give some of them to you. Uh, in Exodus 34, Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights while he was on Mount Sinai relieving, uh, receiving the law from God. King Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles 20, he called for a nationwide fast for the people of Israel when they were about to be attacked by the Moabites and the Ammonites. In response to Jonah's preaching, the king of Nineveh declared a national fast in a time of of prayer, and they put on sackcloth and ash to turn back the wrath of God against Nineveh. That's a Gentile nation, by the way, that did that. Uh, Prayer and fasting was often done in times of great distress or, or trouble. David fasted when he found out that Saul and his friend Jonathan had been killed in battle. Nehemiah, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 1, declared a time of prayer and fasting once he had learned that Jerusalem still laid in, in rubble. And Darius, or Darius, the king of Persia, when he had made the decree and found out that his decree that he signed into law wound up putting Daniel, his friend, in the lion's den, the king of Persia fasted for the night because he was troubled and he thought that his friend Daniel might actually die because of this decree. Prayer and fasting also occurs throughout the apostolic scripture, the New Testament. I'll give you a few references of that. Anna the prophetess worshipped night and day, fasting and praying at the temple. We read that in Luke chapter 2. John the Baptist in Mark chapter 2 taught his disciples to fast. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 Spent 40 days and nights fasting before he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. The church of Antioch in Acts 13 fasted and prayed before they sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14 fasted and prayed before they appointed elders for their churches. 
So let me ask you a question. Do we in New Testament Scripture, in, in the New Testament church, are we commanded, are we required to fast? No. In, in reviewing all of these references, I can tell you I found not one that commanded us. It's not something that we are required to do. And, and not fasting, I don't believe, is, is a sin. What I will say to you is, there is ample evidence throughout the Scripture that those who are believers, those who are disciples of the King, employ the discipline of fasting. Let's come back to our, our passage, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. I'll read it again. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth that they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to the Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Should we fast? I believe the answer for us as believers is absolutely a resounding yes. It is a discipline that we should have. Would you agree with me that we, as believers, need to focus on God more than anything else in this life. Is that a fair statement? And I will submit to you that the discipline of fasting is one of the most direct paths to that focus. Would you agree with that? The world we live in works nonstop. It works overtime to distract us, to entice us, to win our hearts and our minds to steal our focus and to gain control of our vision and our direction by telling us to focus on what? Me. It's all about me. It's all about you. But we as believers know that it's not. It's all about Him. It's all about us being made into His image, into His likeness. And that includes our flesh. We have spent weeks, months, looking at the characteristics, the traits, the nature of the disciple, of the ambassador. And as, as the Sermon on the Mount begins to come to a close, Jesus drops this passage on fasting on His disciples. And what does He say? Do you remember how it starts? When you fast. So while we're not commanded to, we're not told we have to, there is apparently an implication that we will, right? It doesn't say if you fast. Maybe you have a question that says if. None of the ones I looked at had if. They all said when. So it seems apparent that true disciples will employ the discipline of fasting for specific biblical purposes and at specific times in our lives. God made it clear through Joel the prophet in chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Joel that in the last days his spirit being poured out will be directly connected to the people fasting and praying and seeking his return. So those of you who have fasted, we said that wasn't super fun. Did you experience pain or discomfort? Any, any discomfort in that process? And for most of us, the answer is yes, right? When you, when you go a couple of days 
until the body starts to realize that, okay, we're not getting fed, and then it stops asking so much, the pain, the hunger pangs, is the body saying, hey, moron, you didn't feed me yet, right? Because the body knows we, we need to eat for it to function. That's nature, right? That's how God designed us. In that discomfort, many people, when, they, when they're fasting for the first few days to a week, will find that not only is there hunger pain, but there's just this overwhelming sense of, I just don't feel good, right? I, no energy. And that comes from the body toxin. These toxins that get stored up in our body over time are released into the bloodstream to be purified, cleared out. There might be a spiritual connection there? I think so. I think there's a spiritual detox that happens when we're fasting. It's not uncommon for people who fast to find that they come face to face with spiritual issues as well, especially if you're fasting for a spiritual purpose. Now, we might be fasting to receive some kind of answer or some kind of guidance or insight, right, for resolution to a specific problem. And it's all too common for people who fast that before they get to that breakthrough, God brings them face to face with issues within their own life, their own sin, people that they need to forgive. Another part of, of the physical process, we kind of touched on it, when you're fasting, most people will begin to feel a weakness, right? A, a lack of energy because you're not feeding the body. And for a lot of people, as, as you get more proficient at the discipline of fasting, it lessens, it can lessen, but there is a weakness as your body says, I, I need the food to do what I'm designed to do. And that is very similar to the spiritual side. We, we probably don't even recognize how often we starve ourselves spiritually. Things become so commonplace in our life that going to church on Sunday morning is just something that we do. But do we really always get fed? Fasting is a personal experience. Now, there are times where it is truly appropriate for us in a corporate setting to fast, right? Multiple of us to fast for the same reason. And we'll talk about some of those reasons as we, as we get to the end of the message. But even in those settings, those corporate settings, fasting is a profoundly personal experience. Because it doesn't matter to Chris if all 100 of us are fasting, Chris feels what Chris feels, right? Your experience is yours. It is a profoundly personal experience between us and our Creator. It is a time of us bringing our physical body into subjection, into submission before the King. So let me ask you, we know that fasting is regularly tied to food. Is there a way of fasting that is something other than food? And I think the answer is yes. And I think Scripture actually talks about that. There is one particular passage that I'm going to read for us out of 1 Corinthians 7 
that I think is an example of that. 1 Corinthians 7 says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Listen to this last part. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent, and only for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Does that sound like fasting to you? It does to me. So yes, we can fast from things other than food. Anybody in here have a phone? Anybody want to admit? So I'm going to, I'm going to be transparent. I don't have my phone with me. I didn't bring it. And that's not because I'm better than you. It's, it's because I committed this day to be a day of fasting from technology. I used technology all week preparing this message. And I know I am profoundly held captive by my device. You guys want to know what, what the biblical definition is of pray without ceasing? Turn your phone off for a day. If you take the time that you spend on your phone, every time you reach into your purse or your pocket to grab it, and you realize you don't have it, and you use that time to pray, you will pray without ceasing, if you're anything like me. I told first service probably 50 times between getting here and getting up here for the first service. Probably 50 times I reached into my pocket to grab my phone to check the time. I wear a watch, but that's not what I go to. I go to my phone, and I check the time, and then, oh, somebody messaged me. Oh, I got email. Oh, Facebook. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Maybe I am. Let's continue. In the, in the prophet Isaiah's time, the people of Israel grumbled. In Isaiah chapter 58, the people of Israel grumbled because they had fasted and prayed and God had not responded in the way that they expected. And do you know what Isaiah's response was to the people of Israel? I love this. This is my summary, but if you read it, you'll actually, you'll actually probably get this. Isaiah says to the people, the external show of fasting and prayer without the proper heart attitude, is futile and vain. So yes, you and I can fast. And in our passage it says, when you fast, don't make it obvious. So if you're fasting for people to see, then what you're doing is futile and vain. You've received your reward. It doesn't say don't do it. It says when you do it, do it for the right reason. So as we begin to wrap up, how can we know if we are praying and fasting for the right reason, if it's, if it's scriptural? Well, I think there's a couple of questions we can ask that, that will help us decide. Are we praying and fasting and worshiping and studying for things that honor and glorify the King? Are we doing the things to bring honor and glory to us, to get our way? Pretty good pretty good way of determining. And then the second question would be, does the Bible clearly reveal that what we are seeking in this, in this discipline of fasting and praying, does the Bible clearly reveal that, that that which we are doing it for is within God's will? Now, it's not always going to be a clear-cut answer, but those two questions can help us determine if, 
if we're even on the right path to begin with. So as we, as we wrap up, let's summarize. Why should we fast? Why should we as believers consider that a discipline that we should be using in our spiritual walk? Well, fasting is about, first and foremost, humbling ourselves, right? And God gives grace to the humble. We should fast to bring ourselves into absolute reliance and submission to Him, to draw closer to Him, to listen more intently to Him, to trust Him more for His complete and absolute provision. Are you noticing a theme? So when? When should we fast? And before I go to when, you've probably noticed I haven't talked about how, and I'm not going to. If you believe that, that fasting is a spiritual discipline that, that you need to bring into your life, do some research. Do some study. Talk with someone. If you, if you have medical conditions or, or you're on medications, talk to your doctor and see if it's safe, right? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you how to fast. But if you are going to, there are some specific situations where it is appropriate. So when, well, times of special need. Personally, in your family, locally, in your state, in your town, in your country, in your church. There, there are specific things that are, are special needs. Those would be appropriate. Times that we're looking for specific guidance for a situation or, or an important decision. Folks that have graduated or will be graduating, at some point some of you may feel like you're being called into the mission field or to occupational ministry, that might be a time to consider fasting and praying and worshiping and studying to see if God is truly calling you to that, that particular thing. Anyone ever feel like maybe God is leading you to step into a, a ministry leadership? That doesn't mean that you're going to be in charge of everything, but into a ministry leadership position. That might be an appropriate time. Any of you feel called to maybe teach a class or lead a small group? or Maybe not, but that might be an appropriate time to consider fasting and praying. Corporately, congregationally, what about appointing of elders? I think that might be an appropriate time for us as a congregation to consider fasting and praying, studying and worshiping, seeking God's will. I would say if you are somebody who is being considered for that position, probably an appropriate time to consider fasting and praying and studying and worshiping is as you consider moving into that role. How about looking for the new guy? You think maybe that's an appropriate time for our congregation corporately to consider fasting and praying and studying and worship? I would say so. There are many times that it is appropriate. Major service projects, outreach initiatives, as we, as we do whiz kids, as we reach into the lives of teachers in our community, as we, as we reach out to families who are coming through the programs and they're staying on our campus and other campuses, those might be appropriate times to consider fasting and praying and studying and worship. Because combining fasting with the other disciplines has this profound effect of, of helping to tear down strongholds and distractions and, and barriers to God moving in and through us. I want to close this morning with a passage we haven't reached yet in Matthew. Uh, just a few verses further ahead in Matthew 6. 
verse 33. And as I recite it, I'm going to say that probably 90% of you in this room, if not more, can recite it with me. You don't have to, but you probably know it. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Things will be added unto you. If we as believers are living our lives with the intent of, the intent of seeking Him and His righteousness, then I believe fasting plays a role in that. If you have questions and, and you've never fasted before and you want to talk, find me. I don't have all the answers, but I'll talk with you. Find one of our elders. But consider bringing the discipline of fasting into your spiritual walk and see if God will not use that to profoundly move you forward in your relationship with Him. Would you pray with me? Father, my prayer this morning is that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are first and foremost pleasing to you that I have honored you in my message. But secondly, Father, I pray that that you will bring insight and wisdom, guidance, and even deliverance to those who have heard this message and choose to to be in obedience and and chase after you in employing these these spiritual disciplines. Father, as we go out of this place and into our community, as we strive to live a life that is not only pleasing to you, but, but is mirroring of our Messiah, our Savior, as we bring Jesus to our culture, to our world, will you embolden us, will you empower us to live by your word and to employ your disciplines to bring you to a world that is lost and dying and desperately in need. This is my prayer. In the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua Jesus.